0: Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at mules and more magazine mules and more has been around a long time it's a great magazine and uh, shoot I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little and I'd read it every month and loved it and now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years and she has done an amazing job um, also, did you know that MealsMore comes in a digital format? You can download it on your phone, read it wherever you're at. So, hey, be sure to check them out: MealsMore.com. And uh, you know, hey, tell them Ty sent you. I'd be very grateful. MealsMore.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, friends, I got to tell you about Boyd Ranch Mule Days in sunny Wickenburg, Arizona. Coming up, March 6th through the 12th, 2023. It's right around the corner, you guys. You got to join us for this. We got a clinic ourselves we're putting on, March 6th through the 8th. Uh, Also, my good buddy, Chris Clark, an amazing Grand Canyon Packer, Um, he's doing a clinic there. And we did a podcast episode with him uh, a few episodes back. Uh, Check it out, Chris Clark. Him and his wife, Marisa, are just fantastic people. And he's doing a three-day packing clinic out along the Hasayampa River. Hope I said that right, Scott. Um, and uh, it's a great time. You know, Scott Stewart, Lisa Taka, a whole bunch of other people, they do an incredible job putting this mule days on. Uh, there's trail rides every day, you guys. Short, long, ultra long, uh, dang good food, dinner, breakfast Uh, this year they got some nashville songwriters um, and amazing artists coming to entertain us Uh, we have a good time dancing my girls love to dance there we have a great time just a, a wonderful experience they got a mule ramble they got a trail course and all the proceeds from this mule days goes to benefit children's programs there at Boyd Ranch Uh, a great opportunity to give back to the youth Um, and we love the kids coming up we want to continue this legacy so we would love if you would come support Mule Days at Boyd Ranch Um, for more information go to boydranch.org look it up on social media Boyd Ranch Mule Days Uh, just come enjoy your time with us we would love to see you there All right. Welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast, Keith. Glad to have you here. So, nice to be here. Um, I'm hanging out with my good buddy, Keith Wilson, up here in Alpine, Utah today and uh, hanging out in the cozy shop. It's good to be here.
1: Yeah. This is kind of a fun little man cave, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: I'm disappointed I ate breakfast already. His his lovely wife, Terry, offered to make pancakes.
1: Yeah, your buttermilk uh, pancakes and buttermilk syrup. I guess I'll just have to eat your share after. Well, or maybe we'll have to run this fast and eat (laughs) that.
0: (laughs) But anyways, Keith, thank you for doing this. You're welcome. So Keith and I, we've been buddies for, well, I've known you a long time. You knew my dad before, you know, I guess when I was a child. Yes. And um, you're good friends with uh, Sky's dad, Larry, and you rode with him for a long time. They're wonderful gentlemen too. They've been really choice friends. Yeah. So anyways it's it's been good do a lot of riding, we've got a, a lot of miles together and Yeah, we've seen same. a lot of real
1: estate, haven't we? Yeah. Over the over the years. It seems like uh seems like we're so very blessed to be able to see all that we do and do what we do. Uh yeah. We were walking through an asphalt parking lot in Las Vegas at the National Finals rodeo and and uh I just mentioned to Eric and Terry, my two friends, uh, buddies that they went down the rodeo with me, I said, I said look at this asphalt jungle here. Mm. I said, we've seen really the state that has been touched and kissed by God. We really have, really yeah. have. some by mistake and some on purpose. <laughs> yeah, we've seen some some good country. Beautiful,
0: beautiful. So Keith, uh, you know, like I was just saying before I hit the record button, I mean, I, I, I got all kinds of things I want to talk about with you. But if we could maybe go back to the beginning, uh, you know, you've shared a lot of stories with me from your childhood and growing up farming and and everything. Um, but let's uh, let's rewind to that and share with the audience some of those stories and oh. and how you grew up and what life was like uh, way back when uh, Abraham Lincoln was president.
1: <laughs> yeah, it a long time. The archives probably wore out way back then. But yeah, I uh, I'm seventy. Just coming on seventy-six years old in February, and uh, my life has been a blessed life. We've had, we've had uh, some crisis and we've had some issues like everybody does. But uh, no, I I grew up in an agricultural family, and we always had horses. Uh, always, uh, I mean, when I was six months old, my dad had a contract to haul salt out to the Strawberry Cattlemen's Association up in Strawberry. And uh, mom's got a mom had a picture of me. I've got it in my file someplace. I was six months old, born in February, so I was six months old in the middle of the summer. And I'm sticking on one side of the pack saddle, and the salts on the other side of the pack saddle. Well, you must have been a heavy baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a whole lot of other stuff, a whole lot of other stuff in there too. But I was on top, you yeah. know, and I was wrapped up like a little uh, papoose, and and. Uh, Mom was helping Dad, and she was she was riding a horse and leading this pack animal that I was in, so she could bill off and help me if I needed help. My older brother, who was uh, nineteen months older than me, was sitting in the front part of the saddle with Dad but uh, that 's the picture and wow. so i've i 've been around horses all my life. Uh, my father was an officer in the Diamond Fork Riding Club in Spanish Fork, and he had horses. He had a big horse named Prince that he absolutely loved. we I grew up in a small town of central Utah, and uh, it was a great place to grow up. We could we could take our horses and ride anywhere we wanted to. Matter of fact, we even rode them to elementary school, tied them up. And I remember one day, the principal came in the class and says, we can't have the horses here anymore. Some of them are are getting loose and you guys have to leave classes to go out and try to catch you. Mm-hmm. But no, there was a, it was a real wonderful, bringing up especially uh, with the animals that we had. We had cattle that we had up in the mountains on a permit, along with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the Strawberry Cattlemen's Association. They had 780 cow permits up the canyon above our house, and we had uh, 48 cows on that permit, and uh, and then we had a we had a really nice uh, place to farm pasture that we put them in during the winter, and that, that pasture was idyllic because it was just full of grass. And there was an artesian well on this on this property that ran constantly, and uh, so matter of fact, the Payson Power Plant, steam power plants, right where our farm was at, and they used that artesian well. Oh, really? They ended up buying that. And wow. That's where they put that power plant. No, I grew up uh I grew up we had two farms we raised hay and and <coughs> barley and and uh uh and had our horses and our horses seemed to be stemmed around because we were so busy stemmed around some vacation and then cattle work a lot of cattle work most of our horses were quarter horse horses dad liked mares because he could raise colts off of them yeah. and uh he gave me my first horse when I was about nine years old, as a quarter horse mare, bay mare named Dolly, and uh, I uh, I rode her almost every day in the summer. My life was doing chores. We had a milk milk couple milk cows, and my mom had 500 Leghorn chickens that we well, provided well, eggs for everybody in the community, just about. Yeah. Plus, my dad's uh, business was an automobile. Business. He he owned an automobile business. Actually, my grandfather did, but my father eventually bought that from him. But his his expertise was in farm equipment, and that's what we did. We sold we sold more farm equipment than we ever did cars. Barber Brothers is the offshoot of our of our car business. Oh, now. really? Wow. Well, Doug Smith now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of ours was farming, and uh, and. Uh, I remember very early on in life I was on a tractor pulling a baler and, and sometimes I'd fall asleep going, yeah. to, an, going to an irrigation ditch yeah. <laughs> I have to, I have to figure out how to unhook it. But I was probably 12 or 13 then when I was doing that. I rode my horse almost every day from Payson over to Spring Lake to visit a friend and he had a horse and he'd meet me at the bottom of his hill and yeah. we'd go up and ride the hills. And uh, then of course pushing cows and everything. Uh, one story that I had is we were we were, we played football. We were quite involved in athletics, and the football coach said we had to be there every day. And I remember my dad went over and said to him, "They won't be here every day, especially when we have to bring the cows off the mountain. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll be needed up there." And uh, well, he says they won't, they won't be in their starting positions, and Dad said, well, you have to do what you have to do, but this is my livelihood, and my boys will help me. And uh, I remember right after the fall football games that we'd have, we would head to the mountains to bring the cows off, to pick them up, and to take care of them, and put them in a holding pan so we could haul, put them in the truck. We had a big old two-ton truck, cattle truck that we'd haul the cows in down to the pasture. and uh, one day I went to sleep, and Dad threw a big old tarp over us. There's probably seven or eight of us under this big old tarp, and we woke up the next morning there was seven inches of snow on all of us. Oh, no. And We were tired enough that we slept through the snow, plus it kind of kept us a bit warm, but yeah, we had some experiences that way that were wonderful. My older brother never, never liked, liked doing this, but I loved it. It, oh, was, yeah. it was part of my, part of my, in my blood. And my oldest brother, who was 10 years older than me, he was the state president state president for the FFA, for the state of Utah. And he showed Suffolk sheep all over, all over. And so it was a great childhood growing up. And, and uh, when I ventured off to college, I had to sell my little mare, Dolly. And uh, my father passed away when I was 18. And we sold the horse trailer and all of our horses. And, matter of fact we actually gave them to the doctor that took care of my father to help pay the medical bill and then my mother my mother uh, tried to run the business for six or seven months and it just wasn't working out so we sold it to an uncle and he took it over from there and then I ventured off to college and uh, it seems like I've hit every college in the state mm-hmm. and that was wonderful because I had a wife that supported me and knew that eventually I'd back in the horse business and uh, but no I finished a two-year degree at Dixie College and and went to Utah State finished a bachelor's degree there started teaching school when I was 21 I tried to go all through summers and everything to try to get all the fast as I could because if I figured and we had a good jobs to support us I worked in grocery stores and uh, Sometimes I'd help guys with their horses too, helping them start their horses, mm-hmm. and uh, ended up getting a master's degree at Westminster College and started my PhD at University of Utah and finished it at D- BYU. So well, I hit yeah. about, hit about all of them when there's a yeah. athletic contest. I really don't know who to cheer for. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah, we. Uh, we settled here in Alpine right after I graduated with my bachelor's degree. Like I said, I was 21, and I turned 22 that February. And I was only here probably about three three months when a friend of mine named Clyde Turner brought a nice bay gilding over and said, my wife doesn't know that I have this horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He said, could you, keep, could you keep it for me and ride it and everything? And I said, sure. Well, he never came by. I mean, I had that horse for six or so months and I kind of liked that horse. So one day I said, hey, uh, I don't think Ann knows about this horse. Why don't you just sell it to me? And so he did, Yeah. He, he did. And then he ended up going to Delta and picking up a nice big black thoroughbred quarter horse cross that I just loved. And I had old Sammy, that was his name. He was a three year old, couldn't quite make it on the track. But he was a dandy horse, and I had him for 27 years. Wow! So I've had I've had horses my whole life. Sometimes mm-hmm. I've had a whole string of horses and mules. Kind of an interesting story about how I got into mules. Yeah. Uh, I had a horseshoer that come around. I, uh, he was an interesting horseshoer, very good horseshoer. But if he said he was going to be there at nine o'clock, you could plan on him being there sometime between nine and noon. Yeah. And uh, uh,
0: yeah, there's quite a few of them that way. Yeah, well, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and when you're trying to make a living and, and you can't just take a whole time off mm-hmm. to, to have your horseshoe come, I'd like to have him come on Saturdays if he could. And finally, we'd talk about his mules, and he was he wanted to go to Bishop, and he had a big gray gilding. There's a picture of him right up there, but big gray gilding. He wanted to take him and pull a string of mules in the Bishop parade. And uh, so he always talked about his mules, and out of the clear blue, I got a phone call early one Saturday morning, and he said, "Keith, I'm selling my mules, and I gotta sell them right away." You have you have the first choice. I've got these two dandy mules: a big paint mule, and a, and then a little spotted Appaloosa mule. And uh, he said the paint mule is a good pack mule, but not a very good rider. The the little spotted mule is a dandy mule. And so I thought, well, I've never had a mule, and Never really thought much about it, so so uh I said, w- well what what do you need? He says, I need him out of here by two o'clock this afternoon I said, Well I'll come I'm going for up pacing canyon to work the cows, I'll I'll stop by. And uh turned out that he had been a, he had been indicted and was going to have to, to serve a jail term. Oh no. Starting on Monday morning. <laughs> and so he was panicky about his yeah. mules and some of his belongings. I bought, the, I went over there and the big paint mule was gone and he said this is the best of the two mules. But I bought old Maggie, she was seven years old when I bought her. And uh, I remember went up the canyon, my wife was with me to to go with me and Eric and his wife Terry were with us, that's a friend, a relative of mine, friend and relative, and and, uh, and partner of some business deals that we've had. But anyway, we, I, I opened the back of the horse trailer and jumped Maggie out. And Terry said, "You bought a donkey? <laughs> you, you were a horse guy. I can't imagine you'd uh-huh. done this." And uh, I had Maggie for 30 years. Wow! She raised my she raised my kids. Everywhere I would go, she'd be right behind me. Mm-hmm. I put my kids on her when they were three years old, and she'd stay right with me. Never had to worry about them. And they wow. they grew up on Maggie. That's where they started to learn their horse skills. And, I fell in love with Maggie, and I fell in love with mules, and uh, I've had some wonderful mules over the time, but Maggie is one that stands out in my mind. Is probably She had a pituitary gland problem, so her hair would grow long, and she'd almost look like a llama at the end of the winter, oh, yeah. and, and on Memorial Day, I'd get my clippers out, and I'd shave her completely uh, if the weather was ho- would be good enough for me to shave her. And, and she'd just lean into those shears as I'd shear her. I'd, I'd picked up two or three garbage bags full of hair. Oh, wow. And uh, and she was just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she was really a good-looking mule until until she got all of her hair on her in the winter, and that was terrible. <laughs> but, but she was a wonderful mule. I've had I've had probably dozens of mules since then. Seems like you have to go through about a dozen mules to find a good one, and when you find a good one, you keep it. Yeah, and I've, and I've learned a lot from them. Uh, I've learned a lot from them, and I've learned a lot from my horses. I get this, I get this comment all the time. Keith, you got horses and you got mules. Uh, what do you like about them? Well, they're they're different animals, and they're and, and we use them in a different kind of a way. And they'll say, uh, but horses are so much better than mules. And I said, I don't know. Maybe you've never owned a real good mule, or they'll say uh my my uh my mules are so much better than any horses and I'll probably say well maybe you've never owned a real good horse I don't know you know because I've had good animals I've had some animals I've had to send down the road <coughs> for various reasons but uh no I've I've had a wonderful life my profession afforded me the opportunity to spend a lot of time with my family on horseback or or uh, with mules and my f- my family grew up loving mules. Uh-huh. Uh, my son has six mules right now, and uh, which kind of some of them are mine. You know, you get to my age where you get tired of putting paying the farrier and the vet bill and feeding them, and then your sons come and borrow them when they want them. So. I just reversed that and gave that to them. <laughs> <laughs> you, you turn the that. tables, if huh? I, if I need them, I'll come and get them.
0: Yeah, you got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, Simpson, uh I just want to comment on. You know, you saying, I love what you just said. You know, the folks that say, uh, you know, horses are so much better than mules. Well, you've never owned a really good mule. But on the other hand, there's a lot of folks that say, oh, mules are so much better than horses. And... Well, you've never owned a really good horse, too, yeah. you know, and it it goes both ways. It, it, I have a lot of respect for individual animals, and so p- people will ask, what do you like better horses or mules? Well, it depends on the animal. You know, I, I judge them individually, and then people will say, well, what about John Dermales or Mares or Gildings? Same thing. I just judge them individually. That's right. Animal Your own personality. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, I've... Uh... I don't know how I could ever, ever in my lifetime replace that big old Sam horse or that little spotted mule, Maggie. Uh, they were just ideally animals to have. and uh, But most of it had to do with the connection mm-hmm. that I made personally with those animals. You know, I've got one out here right now that I picked up to try to help, kind of a rescue mule that I picked up and, and I named him Pepsi Cola yeah and he and I have connected now he's not the most mm-hmm. attractive mule and he's not uh, to some people he, he'll just ignore him mm-hmm. but he and I have connected and I'd have a tough time replacing him right now because yeah, of that connection because mm-hmm. of that connection sometimes I get too personal because sometimes you need to sell them and if you get too personal and you can't then, then you've maybe you've made a mistake but yeah, that's hard. That well, is. That's what. Uh, that's what Sky is. She's a collector. Oh, is she? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. She'll collect them for sure. But I, I've started being a collector these days. Yeah. You know, I've I've uh, I've spent my whole life, uh, as you know, just as well as anybody else. I I buy them, sell them. You know, train them, start colts, whatever. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, the last three or four years, um, a little longer now, I guess, has been the first time I've been able to. Take a weanling, raise it up all the way through, and finish it out. You've seen like my bull yeah. Riata, yeah. You know, yeah. and some of these that, yeah. Now I'm attached. You know, <laughs> I finally got them good enough to where I can make a, I can make some money on them. You know, they're worth quite a bit of money. Yeah. Um, but
1: no, I would yeah. never sell them. You know, so that, it does get tough. That's for sure. That's for sure. When I, when I had to put Maggie and Sam down, there is a, a, there is a lump in my throat, no doubt, and. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That these these animals are your friends, they're your companions, and these are hauling my fat fanny all over that mountain. I mean, I, I owe them a little courtesy. Yeah, I owe them a little courtesy. That's a good point. And respect.
0: Yeah. If you didn't feel
1: bad, you know, maybe it wasn't so good anyways. Yeah. So yeah. I picked up mule. You, know, you maybe know this uh, uh, three years ago in in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, I picked it up online and and, uh, the gentleman who I bought, got the mule from, I traded a rifle for this mule, which was a good deal for me. And uh, and, uh, when I showed up to get this mule, he had misrepresented it. As a fifteen-hand mule, and it would be lucky to be thirteen and a half hands. <laughs> I mean, it's thirteen-two. I, I, I <laughs> These
0: people listening don't know how tall you are. You're a big man. How tall are you?
1: I'm six foot two.
0: Six-two. Yeah. So yeah, a little thirteen and a half-hand mule, that ain't gonna cut it for for, for Keith.
1: Yeah, I, I looked at this mule and I thought, I love the mule. I love the conformation. It was a loud spotted, paint mule. And I thought, this is not gonna work for me, but. I've got the mule and he's got the rifle, so I loaded it up Mm -hmm. and talked to the brand inspector and said I wanted it all clear so when I crossed the state line I was legal. And you know, that brand inspector had two other brand inspectors that caught us on the way, pulled us over, and they'd come up to the truck, and I thought, I don't know what kind of trouble I'm in, you know. Mm -hmm. And they'd say, how are things going? So-and-so from Albuquerque called us, he's our boss, and told us that you're on your way. We're just checking on you to see if everything's going okay and you're traveling okay. And there's there's something to be said about doing things right. Not just doing them, doing things right. To go to a vet, to get a brand inspection, get a vet check to make sure that everything's okay when you go across those state lines. Oh yeah. And uh, And anyway, I got her home, I could ride her. Yeah, she could carry me, but it felt like my feet were going to drag in the dust every time. Mm-hmm. And she was a wonderful little mule. Uh, I sold her to to Hart uh, Outfitters up in Salmon, Idaho. He paid me a lot more than my rifle was worth, and uh, he used her for a year, and then took her to Jake Clark and got a whole bunch of money. Cause she, but it was really good for a kid's mule, or a, a small lady, or even a very small man. But he was too small for me. But yeah, you get you get. Those kinds of deals too, and uh, but no, my mules have all been good. I had a mule named Jake that uh, that was probably one of my hardest mules to to uh, to have. He was he was an absolute dream for me to ride and everything, and I become and he was an athletic mule could spin in a circle and work cows, cut cows. Uh, but Jake, I got him stuck in some quicksand down on. And he pulled a tendon, and uh, I took everything off of him, and I walked 12 miles out to the trailhead, hard, hard up Willis Willis Creek, and and it was hard. It's called Willow Canyon, Willis Canyon, and it was hard to get up out of that Grand Gulch, and I had doubled up on my pack animal, put my saddle on him, that was Bugle, uh-huh. and uh, Jake limped all the way out, and uh, I kept him for doctored him for a year and then took him up to Allen's Gilman my good friend's ranch up in Idaho, and just let him have the pasture for the whole summer. And then I rode him and he just was never going to be the same. And uh, I let a little girl have him, and she had him for about, oh, half a day, and then he just couldn't limp, he could hardly walk. And I said, I'm not doing him any favors. But he was a hard one to put down, but he was probably my most athletic mule. Yeah, that Lucy Lou, she was a good one too. The one uh-huh. you, when one of your mules, bit her tail off. her tail off.
0: We better tell that story because it was one of those moments I just felt terrible. So I come out, so Keith brings me this mule just to ride for a month or whatever, and and uh, he brings it, and I come out. I don't remember, it was pretty quick, wasn't it? It was like just a day oh, or two yes. later.
1: Yeah, icky, yeah. But, you wanted a pair of shaps, and I said, I said, well, Ty, you want a pair of shafts, you, you ride this mule, put 30, 60 days on this mule, yeah. and we'll work a deal out here. It
0: must have been pretty quick, because I, I wasn't certain. I come out, and I see that tail short on that mule, and I go, oh, I swear that thing had a tail. Like, and I So I called Keith, Keith, did, did this mule have a tail when you brought it? He said... Well, yeah. <laughs> a nice long black tail. Nice long black tail. Oh,
1: I, I said, well,
0: it, it doesn't have a tail anymore,
1: Keith. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, told, I, I teased Ty a little bit. I said, my wife is going to be so ticked off at you. <laughs> yeah. and She would never, that would never be Terry. No, you know Terry. No, but I no, Terry, if Terry's upset, this is terrible. You know, what am I <laughs> going to do here? But, uh, That was a good mule, though. She was a dandy. She could travel fast and she could take me where and she was athletic But you had to be on your game when you rode her. Yeah, she was a little hotter Yeah, a little uh, get a a pheasant fly up in front of you or a squirrel dash out in front of you. You better be ready for it So yeah, yeah Yeah. Which brings me to a story? uh, Which brings me to the story, you know talking about these mules There there's you get a good mule There's a reason for the for you to have these good mules especially on these mountains uh, that we go into. We we're in pretty rough country and it's steep and rugged and, and uh, on one of these rides I took in August, I went down, we were in Wyoming, went down from Granite Falls down into Shoal Falls, which is an absolute gorgeous ride, and we had our little lunch break down there and we were, started to head out and I was following Larry, your father-in-law, and he was riding Brent, that, that, uh, sorrel mule that he was trying to help somebody. Get out of its bad habits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's probably the better way to say it. And uh, seriously, uh, uh, a grouse hand flew up between Larry's mule and my mule, and that that mule took that that. Sage grouse right out of the air. And all I saw was a puff of feathers kicking right in the air. And then this this yeah. sage grouse rolling around in the in the brush and Larry didn't even know that mule had kicked at that grouse. Yeah, it was and so it, fast. It was so fast and so accurate and uh you Now there was, there was a personality about that mule that you kinda liked, but you were kinda cautious about too all the time. Remember it bucked him
0: off that morning. It did.
1: That's right. <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah, before, dumped he, him off. before he even yeah. left camp. That's right.
0: I've only seen Larry hit the dirt two times. Was
1: well, that was one of them? That was one
0: of them. Oh, yeah, the other one was up Payson Canyon. And uh he had this mule. Well, you probably remember it. It had different names. They called it Dundee and uh Joe I can't remember what Joe called it.
1: Oh yes that's the, the dumb mule he got. Yeah, the from Joe. Mule. So yeah.
0: so this mule is they started out in this in this life like really really broke. It was a good it was a good mule. And when Joe bought it, it was a good solid mule. Um and one day, Lori falls off it, gets bucked off. And she tells Joe, "I got bucked off that." And Joe's like, "No, you didn't. You you must have just fell off of it. You didn't get bucked off." And so Joe gets on it. I can he's see gonna, Joe and Lori gonna, having that conversation. Yeah, yeah. He's going to he's going to show Lori, you know, <laughs> and it dumps Joe off. So Joe calls Larry And Larry doesn't believe either one of them. Joe says, hey, it bucked me and Larry off. Larry's like, no, there's no way that mule, you know. (laughs) So Larry takes that mule, and he rides it for a little while, and it's going great. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Joe. You know, and uh, he's riding it for a while. And uh, we're up from Payson Canyon, and that thing just blew up, and it bucked. It bucked good. Like it, it, it was, it was, it was spinning and kicking out. Oh, be darn! I mean, you wouldn't have got a rewrite if you was at a rodeo. You wouldn't have got a rewrite. That's how good it was. Oh, Probably, wow. a 20
1: pointer. Probably a twenty-pointer. Probably the eighty-seven, eighty-nine-pointer. So,
0: and Larry's trying to hang in there. He blows the stirrup. He comes down, <laughs> and Larry says, "Screw this! I'm, I'm out!" Like, uh, and so he takes it to, uh, to the kill pin here. You know, Burdell. Up, oh yeah, Payton, yeah. And, uh, had, I had to take a few
1: to him, him yeah.
0: Okay, so he takes his mule to the kill pen, and he's done with it. Well, I had a buddy that worked at the kill pen um, for Burdell, writing all these, everything that comes in the kill pen, he'd write it, like, as you know, and see if he uh-huh. can sell it, right? So people think, they go to the kill pen, they're dead. No, there's, Not people, always. Not there's always. people that are trying to make a buck off of those yeah. bucking mules, or, or a you know, a lame mule. Yeah. And this was this guy's job. Is it good enough that we could... Ride it and sell it, good enough that we could give a little butte to it, and it you know pass it on as it's good and whatever. this was this guy, oh, so no. he he anyways he's a buddy of mine this is he's just working there as a day worker, right? He calls me and he says, Ty, I got this mule in here <laughs> you got you gotta come, try this thing. I think you'd do well with it and i yeah. said well what's what's the mule you know and he says well it's it's really good, man it it stops, it spins, it side passes, it's good to saddle." It's Good to catch, it's beautiful buckskin dun color. And I knew Larry had taken it up there. I said, Brady, do not get on that mule again. Like, that <laughs> thing's a bucking dude. He's like, No way! I'm like, it's a, it's a bad one, it's a bad one. Just it'd blow up and you know, oh, the clear blue. And, anyways, yeah, and, yeah. Oh, and no. uh, so yeah, oh, Larry.
1: And in his, and his This is the only two times I've ever seen Larry. Larry's such a good hand. He really is. He's good. The best thing about Larry, and it's one of the things that, that mules have taught me, and it's a good good lesson to learn, is, is that you need to have patience. Yeah. You need to have that respect. You can't lose your cool if you're going to train these animals. Patience and gentleness pay big, big dividends. Yep. They do, whether it be a horse or a mule, but mostly on mules. Uh, they can read that and they can read your your affection for them and they can read your your feelings for them and uh, they can they can throw an SOB at you just as fast as you can throw it at them so but I've I've come with mules especially to really respect them and try my patience so bugle for example bugle had a, a bad habit of spinning around you would go down a trail and you'd have a pack string with you and he'd spin around right in the ropes and uh, uncalled for, just totally uncalled for. And, and the bugle had some problems that the previous owner had let him get away with, but I was trying to correct him. And uh, one day we were up above Moon Lake and in a real bad situation. I think Larry was behind us and that, that bugle spun around into my, into my pack string. I had two, two animals on the string then and the rope got all wrapped around and I just, I blew it. I took him and I worked him over and, uh, you know, maybe there was a lesson there. Maybe there was a lesson there and maybe I did it very quick to teach him that lesson, but I would have had far more dividends if I had gone two or three or four times longer rides that I could have said, hey, let's stop this buddy, come on, there's a reason why we're doing this, there's a reason why they're doing this. And all this was was just a culvert that he had to cross, and he just spun. Uh But he got over it. He got over it, and and he was the one that probably taught me about patience more than any other animal I've ever owned. And I often regretted how hard I was on him that afternoon, and uh, knowing that I could have handled that much differently, much differently, and probably got a lot more out of it you
0: know hindsight's 2020 i wish so bad that i could go back now and and uh have re-rides again on so many mules if only i knew then what i know now i'd get so much further along there's meals back then that i just thought were impossible that uh, i'm never going to get that one broke and now it'd be a day off you know Uh I, i wouldn't even blink my eye at it it'd be so easy to fix you know but it's just I'm sure you got a million lessons like that in life that, you know, probably that way with everything in life. You know, you're like, okay, you thought that was such a big deal then, and, you know, now it's not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in the long run, there's a lot better way to do it than to lose it and and for the animal. It took me a whole, almost a whole year for Bugle to get his confidence in me and, uh, I had confidence in him, but for him to get the confidence in me, because he didn't want to go through that again, and uh, and he turned out to be one of my favorite mules. But, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm looking around. This I'm in my sewing room right now. This, this is where I build chaps and belts and bags and harnesses and what have you. But anyway. I'm looking around all these pictures in here. I mean, this is a real man's cave. It's got some stories to tell. And I just looked over here and I saw that Liberty Lake, and I'm remembering it's right there in the corner. Mm-hmm. Picture of Liberty Lake. That's on the that's on the Ruby Crest Trail, and I think that was probably your first time you went on the Fat Rabbit ride with 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 us.
0: Yep, you're right. That was the first Fat Rabbit ride. So Keith does. Uh, he's 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 done this ride with his. Mostly his family, close family and close friends. How many years? Thirty-four years. Thirty-four. First years. First week of August. And uh, I remember I wanted to come really bad because I had been married to Sky for a few years before that. You uh-huh. know? And Larry always come, and I'd, and where are you go? No, oh, we're going on this trip here, you know, to the Wind Rivers or the Tetons or you know whatever he's going to, and can I come? Well, no, <laughs> you can't come. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, it's a special deal, and I really didn't understand that until I finally made the the A string. <laughs> you made the cut. <laughs> yeah, I made the cut, <laughs> and I could go in that. Yeah, that Liberty Lake and that uh, that Ruby Crest Trail there. Yeah, at, was your first by ride. Elko. That was my first fat Robert trip and pack trip, and you have packed a lot of miles. Um, you know, and speaking of like lessons learned and things, you know, uh, I I I'm a learner, and you know that. I like to learn. You're a good student too, Ty. I, you really are, and you're a good teacher as well. I try to learn, and I enjoy, you know, riding with you guys and 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 uh, being around you. You know, because what's that saying? You know, life's too short to learn from your own mistakes. Yeah. Learn from the mistakes of others, and yeah. you know. Um, and I, I like hanging out with you. Not saying that you've made a whole bunch of mistakes. I'm <laughs> saying that I can well, learn I lessons. My, I have made my share. but yeah, I can learn from you, you know. But anyways, yeah, you've been doing these rides for a long time. And
1: yeah. uh, man, it's my highlight of the year, you know. I used to send these introductory letters out. This is where we're going this year. And you're invited. And it, it was a fun letter kind of outlined the trip. It was my bucket list trip, places that I wanted to go, and I just wanted to invite my family and friends with us. Family kind of eased off. Now they're coming back and riding this fat rabbit ride with me again. But, but my land, we've, and I remember you saying to me, uh, am I ever going to get a letter from you, Keith? <laughs> and the, the, I sent the letter to you you called me up and you said i got the letter i I got the letter i will be there i will be there this was the first one that was a few years ago but i remember i remember right where that lake sat because you're looking down off these ledges into this lake and the trail went along these ledges and for your for your the people who are chiming into your podcast need to know that there's a story behind that Ty and, and, and I and Alan Gilman went over to Green River and bought a bunch of mules from a fellow who had a real bad back, and he was really attached to these mules. And he 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 just wanted to get out of it because it was a temptation for him to do something, and every time he'd do it, it'd hurt his back. And his wife was really, really connected to these mules. And uh, anyway, I think it was you and Alan worked out a deal with him that, it's still, just the mules. If you're going to get out of it, why don't you sell us everything your pack saddles, your cooking stoves, your manties, your panniers, everything? Tents. I mean, we bought pans,
0: <laughs> pots, yeah. uh, canteens. I mean, yeah, uh, cinches
1: and reins and bits, halters, and lead ropes. You had yeah. a whole we bought his
0: whole outfit out,
1: yeah, and uh. When you left, you left. I, 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 plus, you bought hay too from him. You took yep, his hay from him as hay. well. Anyway, I remember we were there and loading things up, and, and uh, she would, his his wife was crying because the mules were leaving, and and uh, you had panels that you had even purchased his panels from. That's right, I bought panels. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he said these are these are these are my mules. I think he had five or six of them, and he said these these are the best mules I've got. And he, he said, this is the best one, this is the second, this is the third, the others I really don't know a whole lot about. Yeah, they had some young ones in there that. Yeah. And uh, anyway, Terry, our, sp- our friends, ended up with one of his mules, a pack mule. And that Liberty Lake right there, we were going down to that lake, and I looked up at Terry, he was in front of me, and his pack saddle began to, to tip. And all of a sudden, it rolled clear underneath the bottom of this mule. So all of his gear was hanging down on the trail and this mule, I mean, we were on ledges. I mean, we were literally on ledges. And I just yelled to Terry, Terry, stop. And he, he didn't realize what had happened. He stopped. And that mule stood on that ledge, just stood there. And we, I, I remember I was down on a little tier below the, the mule trying to undo the ropes. And, and I was having to reach clear up. These, these, this saddle was underneath the mule and everything's hanging down. And I'm reaching up to try to undo everything. And uh, we got all the gear off of that mule. And then we had to go up on the upside to resaddle it and to get it all geared up. That mule never took a step, never did a waiver. And that's when I said to myself, I've had a lot of horses in my life and, and a number of mules. And I've never had one that was that obedient and that respectful. And she knew we were there trying to help her. Yeah. And she knew I've got a job to do and I'm just gonna stand here and take care of that. And when we got Terry all loaded up and got down off of those ledges and into Liberty Lake, uh, we ended up staying at, I think it was, uh, I can't remember the name of it, Marm's Lake or something like that. But anyway, anyway, uh, Terry, Terry, was, Terry was pretty emotional because he says, I've never seen a mule act like that before. And he was fairly new to mules then. Mm-hmm. And I said, you've got a keep her there. You've got to keep her. Yeah, that was,
0: that's Aunt B, talking about. That's a good mule. Yeah. Yep. My son ended up with Cash. Yep. He's got Cash. Yeah, that was another one
1: out of that bunch. Yeah. Yeah,
0: there's a handful
1: of them. Yeah, I think Terry got the best one that he said was the best. And yeah, I think Aunt B was the best one She was a, bunch. she's a good, you, a Cash, however, you could put your kids on her, and, on him, and he, he'd be just a dandy. Yeah, he's it's good. He ignores sometimes the,
0: the kids though,
1: yeah, he, Just, he gets away with you know, lots of things. You know, if, on, he, you know. if he
0: wants to go eat that grass, he's gonna go eat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he never,
1: he never gets to, he never gets to camp hungry. He's always no, full. Yeah, he's, he's a fat. Little turd, but yeah. yeah, I remember you had a couple of sorrel mules on that trip, and as I walk down to where your camp was, your tents and stuff were laid out. That was a fun ride. That was fun to put together yeah. good men, and I usually end up with about twelve or fourteen riders on these on these fat rabbit trips. A lot of people call me and say, Can I come? and it's still the answer's no and it's still a select group. Yeah. Partly because because when you're out in the wilderness and everybody has a rider and a packer, it's pretty hard to find pasture for thirty animals.
0: Yeah, well, and you're limited in all these wilderness areas, you're limited on, on heartbeats space. and
1: everything and every, you know all that too and But so that that takes me back to another thing. You do it right though. I've made such wonderful connections with the, the Forest Service people that I'll get my permits from. A lot of people go in and never get a permit, and they don't cost you anything. It's just a matter they want to know where you're at in case there's an emergency and they can find you. Now we've got satellite phones and stuff like that. They help us, but but doing things right has, has paid me big dividends. I'll call I'll call Alice up there at, uh, at Pine Pine and I'll say. It looks like we're going to ride up in your country again. She's oh, golly, Keith, you're welcome. You're welcome up here anytime, you know? And I think here we are on a first-name basis. We've never even met. Yeah. Just over the phone. She, she knows you. And then you she sends you. me the, the permits. I fill them out and send them back and get them. And, and I've been checked a couple of times, but that's okay. Yeah. Just to do it right. To do it right. No, it's,
0: it's how, that's how I am with, with all the travel. And there's a lot of folks that will you know travel without health papers and and Coggins, and, you know, they say, well, I've ne- they've never been checked. Well, good for them. I get checked all the time. <laughs> you know, I get checked constantly. Uh, like you mentioned in New Mexico, for sure. New Mexico brand specters. Yeah. They got red and blue lights. They carry a They, gun. they do. They pull you uh, over. They, they wear a vest, you know. Of course, you know, New Mexico is a little bit of the Wild West down there. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but I always got my ducks in a row, and it makes it easy because it's kind of an inconvenience to be checked uh, anyways, you know. Yeah. It takes time. But, hey. I got my stuff. I don't have any stress. I I got it all put together, and and but you're a great example of that just do it right and it makes life easier. Oh, for sure. But it pays off in in all kinds of ways. You know. Oh yeah. The way you, the way you work with your animals. You know the way you take care of them. I mean everything. How you you know we're sitting here in your leather shop. And it's one of my favorite places to hang out. Like we've been talking about these pictures. He's got pictures everywhere. But w- with your leather work, it's always. Top notch, best quality. You
1: do it right. Thank you. You, we, you know, there's no corners cut uh, in
0: your leather work.
1: Well, mine's a different kind of leather work. There's a lot of people who do leather work for show. Mine's working. Mine's working cowboy. leather Yep. And uh, I don't want to do bling and stuff. Mine's all. Mine's all working cowboy stuff. And that's good. And, you know, I had, I can do bling, and I've done them and entered them in contests. And, it doesn't satisfy me to win a contest with your leather because I think yeah. I'll i never wear these, they're too heavy. They got too much gunk on them to really be practical to me what I do through the brush and pulling ropes out and roping. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, that, that brings me to another kind of an interesting thing. Uh, uh, back when I was competitive ro- roping, you know, I broke my hands now and I can't do that roping like I used to. But back when I was doing my competitive roping, I got uh I got to be pretty good and uh I was team roping, I was a header and uh had had the right horse for a header. He'd have been a good horse for a bulldog or two, but uh uh he was a good he was a good heading horse and he took good care of me. But then then the Lord had a different different reason for me and called me to to maybe help save some people in the in a church position that I that uh, I wanted to be, and that started consuming my time, and it was much became much more important than than uh, my roping, and we weren't we weren't making a lot of money, but but geez, we rope three times a week, and everybody roped for Pepsis more than anything else. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the loser had to bring the Pepsis to the next one yeah. the next roping, and there was there was uh, ten of us that were roping pretty constantly, and. It seemed like one by one we were all picked off to do the Lord's work, and and uh, so that that kind of stopped me from roping, and that was okay. Mm-hmm. It's been good. It's been good for me. The Lord had to teach me some lessons, and that's the way I got taught some of those lessons. Yeah.
0: What'd but, you get, So tell tell everybody where you went on your your mission and what you did.
1: Oh well, uh, when I retired in in two thousand four. One of the desires that my wife and I had were to serve, uh, commit ourselves full time to missionary work, and uh, and then we kind of had a, a tragedy. I got I got a I got uh, a call from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints missionary office saying we've got a mission for you. It's an, it's an unusual mission. We want you to go to up in Ellensburg, Washington, and run the 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 ranch up there. In the Cascade Mountains, the church had about 400 acres up there, and they wanted to, to do, have a ranch, run that ranch, and kind of build in a handcart experience for kids. And then there's a really nice campground, and uh, to take care of, take care of that campground, and, and uh, I, we said, sure, sure, that that would be a great mission. Terry wasn't near as excited about that mission as I was. Uh, Partly because it's, you know you have to go meet people and talk to people, and Terry's good at it, but she has to be prodded just a little bit. And anyway, I, uh, our oldest daughter had a serious accident, and uh, she fell, blacked out, and fell in the front of her front of her house and hit her head on the curb, and and had some serious brain in, injuries, and they life flattened her into Salt Lake and University of Utah Hospital, and, she had a number of surgeries, and so we had to put that mission on hold and just say, we can't do this mission. Maybe later on, because she had a young family, and we we were it was important for us to be there to take care of them and, uh, and to help them. And my wife became the surrogate mother for, for that family, which we love dearly and are very close to. And uh, Jody and Rex, that was her husband, had, four children and anyway uh eight brain surgeries later and and uh you know skull removing her skull and and then putting the the mesh back in and the titanium plate back in and everything she's finally she finally started coming around she got healthy enough that we could start thinking about a mission again and so jonathan katz the director of the missionary at the ranch up in wally called me and he said he said, hey, um, uh, want you to come up here again and serve this mission. When he found out that we were interested, and we said, okay. And then our mission papers come, and we were sent to Montevideo, Uruguay to be temple missionaries in a foreign land, in a foreign language that we could not speak. We couldn't even hardly count to ten. <laughs> but it turned out that... The, it was a temple for the church to do important temple work for the people in Uruguay, Uruguay and uh, uh, his, the temple president's son was in rodeos he was he was part of the Justin medical crew and he'd worked on our son Justin when he got injured a couple of times and knew us because we had contact yeah. with him and, and uh, anyway. The temple president trumped everybody else, and he said, that couple's coming down to Uruguay. I want them. And uh, so we thought, hey, we'll go down to this country, and we'll, we'll work in this temple. I'll tell you, when we got down to that third world country, if Terry could have found a way to the airport, she'd have been out of there <laughs> for about the first three yeah. or four months. And Because everything had to be done in Spanish, and we didn't know Spanish, but we learned it. We learned what we could, especially all the temple. Ordinances, that's, uh, that's the lingo of the temple. Uh, there's a lot of it. We learned all that in perfect Spanish and uh, loved the people. For for 19 months we were there, just engrossed in all we could do to help people come mm-hmm. closer to our Father in Heaven. And it was wonderful for us. That's pretty neat. That's the only two years that I didn't do the fat rabbit ride. Yeah. I think somebody else did did part of it. They did some things, but that was part of it. Yeah, yeah. What? uh, You know, this is
0: this is this is my show, and I can talk about what I want. And some people don't like when you bring religion of kinds into into you know horsemanship and stuff. And I'm pretty good in my clinics. I don't I don't butt in with that. You know, I I let people do their own. But this this is my show. This is special. (laughs) And, you know, religion is important to my mulemanship. That's something I wish I could share more often with the people that, uh, that don't have faith in their lives. If I, if I could only convince them of how much that can improve your horsemanship, um, it would be such an amazing thing because it's a big piece of it, you know. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the things that I do with my mules and my horses, you can find those lessons in the Bible. Sure you can. You know, I I treat them the same way that a lot of times, you know, uh, the way God sets things up for us. You know the, the 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 adage that you've heard many times, and everybody on here has heard many times: make the right thing easy, wrong thing difficult.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, how many times does does uh, the Lord set that up for us in life? You know, oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the some challenges out for us, no yeah. doubt.
0: Yeah, the things you 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 know, but there's a lot of a lot of lessons there. You know, you got anything that comes to your mind about lessons that that uh, that you've learned from your your religion and your faith that you have applied to working with? I mean, you've already shared one patience. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's huge.
1: Well, one of the one of the one of the, first of all that that's part of my life, and I think uh, I'm not going to judge anybody else in yep. their in their life, but to be a good person, to be a loyal friend to be to be a compassionate person to people who struggle. You don't need religion to do those things. Uh being kind to your fellow men, you know, uh there's there's uh there's lessons for all of that. But for me personally, I draw very close to the Lord and my wife and I are, support each other in that. So I was up on a, you know, I outfitted quite a bit. I had a, an outfitting business and I was hunting up in Wyoming, up on Indian Creek. And there's Indian, North Indian Creek, South Indian Creek, it goes over to Observation Peak. It's a big, it's a big wilderness area. And uh, you know, we weathered some storms, that's where Tracy was hit by lightning up there. And anyway, I was up on top of this ridge and uh, Eric was with me and he, he had split off and we both had tags to hunt there. And I come up over this rise and here is this beautiful, big mule deer buck that I wanted to harvest. And and as the sun was just coming up and it was right in my scope, and so I hunkered down and I thought, I am not gonna be able to shoot this deer with this scope this way, so I'm gonna give him 15 minutes. And I was silent, I was silent. And then when I come up over the ridge, the deer, they're two bucks in this uh, four or five does. They had, they had gone, they had disappeared. So I went over to this little meadow and I found the tracks and I thought, I'm gonna track them. About that time, Eric shows up and I said, I'm gonna track this, I'm gonna track this uh, mule deer. He's worth shooting. He's worth, he's a trophy. He's worth taking, he's worth harvesting. And so I went over, we, we tra- tracked him. We tracked him for probably a quarter of a mile. And I got on this ridge where I'm looking down now to these pine trees below us and there's the the greenery is up to your waist, to your knees and to your waist. And uh, I'm on this on my on this ridge and here's this deer. He's bedded in his bed and he's about two hundred and fifty yards away and I says, I'm gonna I'm gonna take him, Eric. He said, But there's two two bucks. There's two bucks. I don't know where the other one's at. And I took a beat on this buck and Boom and 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 it was a, it was a clean. You don't want to ever wound an animal. You want to, if you're going to take a harvest, you want a clean harvest. And it was a clean harvest on this big buck. And and Eric was using his binoculars. He, I, I said, "Good, I got him." He said, "No, you didn't. He's standing up. You, you didn't get him." And I'm sitting there looking at him through my binoculars, and I'm saying, "No, he's down." And I said, "Eric, that has to be the second buck." Well, then Eric shoots. And his buck drop, drops into these big bushes. So we don't know if he's, if he's injured or what. And so we made the plan where Eric is gonna hike down around below these deer and come up onto them and uh, kind of give me an appraisal. I'm gonna stay up on the top. So if one of them gets up, then we can harvest it. I mean, his get up, mine's, mine's for sure is dead. He gets up and he says, they're both down. We got them both. And I, he was yelling up at me and I said, good. And I stood up and the ledge, the ledge that I was standing on broke away and I fell about 25 feet. Oh, jeez! And uh, here we are, it's eight o'clock in the morning. I've got a broken leg and a broken ankle. And uh, I thought maybe it was just a bad sprain. You know, you, it, it, it popped just like somebody shot a 22. You hear? You heard those pops. And luckily for me, in my, in my pack, I had some vet wrap. and I yelled down to Eric, and I said, Eric, <coughs> I've hurt myself. I've, this ledge broke off, and he can see the whole ledge break off from where he was at. And he said, well, what do I do? And I said, I can't come down and help you, because we, we want the meat. Harvest the meat you can, and, and take the head off, the, off your buck, and, and hang mine in a tree someplace, and I'll come back and get him later. And, I, and while he was doing all of that, I was wrapping, I, just on the outside of my good Browning hockey, hike, hiking boots, I wrapped this all up. But I sit there and I thought, I've hurt myself really bad, and I'm 12 miles away from nobody. And I'll tell you, it was a humbling, humbling morning for me. To be there hurt, you know, you want, because my life had been to help other people, and all of a sudden here I am. Here I am in the throes of throes of needing help. And the Lord comforted me that day and consoled me that day. And uh, I used my rifle as a crutch to get back to my horses. And they were, like I said, a quarter of a mile away. And uh, it was an absolute gorgeous day. And I st- instead of thinking about my hurt leg, which I didn't know was broken, I, I began counting my blessings. I began to look at that beautiful day and the herd of elk on the hillside, and uh, knowing that we'd harvested a couple of nice deer, and I was there with my, with my dear friend and nephew, Eric, and uh, I was riding a colt, three-year-old colt, and he was doing one fabulous, and I just started to look at everything positive, not negative, but positive. Yeah, you're, you're a good man.
0: The rest of us would be thinking, "Oh, oh man, this uh, sucks! Worst day of my life!" You know. I, I wasn't
1: did. gonna whine or, yeah, anything. You know. Yeah, and, man. and I get back to my animals, and and uh, I said, "This is this is hurt bad." So we, from there, we had to ride back two miles to our camp, and then we broke camp, and then rode out. And like I said, I was riding this three-year-old colt, and we were 12 miles out. By the time we got out, it was probably 11 o'clock. The night and all this was taking place at eight o'clock in the morning oh, so uh, big day, you know and i and, uh, i didn't realize how bad the break was until i got into home and got to the emergency room and they said that it's a bad break and you've got all these fractured blisters all over your legs and everything and anyway i i sit back when i think about that i think about that beautiful day and the way i was blessed and mm-hmm. the way i was helped and, and life ought to be that way. You know, we could sit and count all the calluses on our hands, or we could sit back and say, how do we get those calluses? We did some good things to get these calluses, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, if we look at things positive, then, then life is so much easier. Life's an adventure. Life should be, should be happy. It should be good. And you're going to find tragedies. We've had tragedies with our daughter who passed away, by the way, that oldest daughter. My younger daughter passed away. You know we had tragedies but you know what blessings they were for for to be in our family and to be part of our lives we look at things a little bit more positive and that's the way you have to look at these animals when you've got them what kind of potential does this animal have I mean Ty you've got a you've got a gorgeous string of mules I mean I know I know that you're picking them now and you're you're selective about what you're getting and you've got a gene pool that they're coming from that are just absolutely I mean, I'm looking at your mules and I'm thinking, those are fine animals because they're my kind of animals. They come from good quarter horse mares and and uh, and you've done a nice job with them. Uh, that Rony mule you've got, that Bay that you've got, it's just to me she just catches my eye every time I see her, and uh, that's the way you should be looking at people and things and animals and your friends, your dogs, whatever you're you know. Especially your relationship with your family. Especially, they're blessings to you. They're blessings to you. And our family loves us, our kids love us, they do. They do things for us, and part of us because we love them.
0: Mm-hmm. Now that's dang that good advice, Keith. <laughs> I mean, you could, that's just good for anything.
1: No, that, you don't have to have a baptism for that. You no. can just be a good man, yeah. a good woman, a good, person positive outlook yeah yeah that's great well Keith um, is
0: there is there any other stories that you'd like to share I mean I, we could probably sit here for four weeks really and just keep recording we, I know you got a million stories but is there anything uh, that you thought about you know when I asked you to do this do you have anything in mind that you wanted to share anything your packing stories your cowboy stories yeah, uh, anything well, else that, before we
1: we well, you, you can't you can't very well uh, be around cattle without without having a few scars on you from, <laughs> from what you're doing, you know? you true. When Brandon, yep. time comes, you're trying to catch these calves, and your mamas, the mamas don't really want you to catch them, everything. I'm looking at these pictures here, and I'm looking at that one over there, with me laying down, and this one right here, Red Castle Lake, in the windows, our good friend, Ty and my good friend, Alan Gilman, is... Uh, we were asked to pack Boy Scouts food into the pack trip. And we we went into Red Castle, which is another 12 mile trip in. The boys were hiking in, and we had all their food on our pack pack mules, and it was light stuff, you know, mountain house stuff and a cup of soups. Anyway, we were we were we were. It's a good Scout troop, a good Scout master that teaching kids the things about the wilderness that you know you and I grew up with. We understand all that, but some of these kids, they didn't grow up with it. They don't understand. And uh, anyway, we were there and having a good time, and there was a camp across the lake from us. We were on the east side, a camp across the lake. And about 1030 at night, these three gentlemen come walking into our camp. These were cowboys. They were from Woodruff and Randolph, Utah. Pretty remote area, you know and th- these were cattlemen, they were tough guys, and they said, do any of you have any medical experience? And it just so happened the scoutmaster was an emergency medical doctor at Cottonwood Hospital. Wow. he said, yeah, I, yeah, I do. And he, they said, we think one of our party's having a heart attack. He's just struggling right now, and, and uh, his chest just pains terribly. So the scoutmaster grabbed his little black bag you like you hear about with the doctors and they shoot across, they had to walk around this lake to get to the other side and he was over there about an hour and he came back and he said, Keith and Alan, this man's in a full-blown heart attack. He said, we've got to get some help for him. And so I had my GPS and Alan had his satellite phone. And uh, so the doctor took the satellite phone and took the coordinates from my GPS and called in to an emergency medical back team that that they were there in 30 minutes, landing there the helicopter. That's and incredible. Now it's about one o'clock in the morning and uh, flew that, loaded this patient onto this helicopter and flew him into Salt Lake Valley to the University of Utah and where he had a bypass surgery and they saved his life you know and I'm thinking to myself you never know when things are going to happen now we gave that man a spiritual blessing and uh, before he left and we had the comfort of knowing that things were going to be okay the next morning the doctor took Alan's satellite phone and called the hospital and, and they said yes we did surgery the man's going to live he's going to be fine Gonna wow. be fine, you know. We got Christmas cards from him. I bet you did for, for about ten years. Yeah. Ten years, and then we just kind of stopped, and we never did go make a connection with him or anything like that. Or maybe his, he has a
0: second heart attack. Uh, no, yeah, he was he
1: was in his fifties when this was taking place. So, anyway, it's kind of interesting because because you never know what kind of things are going to be out there for you, good or bad, and and. Aren't you glad that we're there to help and to do some things? And here's the interesting part about it. The newspapers picked up on that story, and the television stations picked up on that story, and they did this whole thing about how scouts are prepared and everything, I don't think there was a scout that woke up that whole night, not even not even when a helicopter, not even when a helicopter landed the scouts had no idea <laughs> they had no so, idea, yeah. and yet they were the heroes because they That's were so true. prepared, you know That's right. and I thought that was wonderful, yeah, that was wonderful, yeah, <laughs> oh wow,
0: well, Keith, uh, this has been a real treat, hanging out with you and
1: swapping stories and everything. well, Ty, we've seen some country. West Elk Wilderness in Colorado, Ruby Crest Tail in Nevada, yeah. the Teton Mountains. There's a picture right there, looking back at the west side of the Teton Mountains. I mean, we've 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 gone to see real estate that the God has created for us. I've been into the thoroughfare. I've been in. There's my two grandsons. They're now older. They're returned missionaries themselves, and on those two horses of mine. I'm just. They're just memories, and you know, uh, I we've seen a lot of real estate together, Ty. Yeah, we have. And you know, I admire. I admire what you do. you do. You do something that's been a dream of yours, and where a lot of people just dream. You have put it to action, and you said, I've got to do something with this if this is to take place. And you've had a wonderful, loving wife that supports you, and she's a good cowgirl, I'll tell you. Yeah. There are very few people I know out there that can do the things on equine like Skye can. Yeah, she's, she's wonderful. And we even had your little gal with us on this last Fat Rabbit ride. And, mm-hmm. and uh, she snuggled up with your dog, and she had fun, and she coached in, and she she can give it out as fast as we could give it to her. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, L.A., she can be. She, and it was fun to sassy. have her. But she rode right along with all those rides with us. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, but you're making it happen. I admire you for that, because instead of just dreaming, you're saying, I can make this happen, I'm going to do this and you're doing a very good job at it the things you teach and what you do are right in line uh you know a lot of people write books but to see somebody do it firsthand and to see the connection you're making with people and their mules is really pretty magic and i admire it well thank you
0: thank you keith i appreciate that you're welcome good man uh, i mean there's a there's a lot of good lessons in this whole chat um that we've just had, but I always like to end my, my guest episodes with, uh, with a word of advice. Um, it, it, like I said, you've given a whole bunch of it already, <laughs> but uh, is there anything, and it can be mulemanship advice, horsemanship advice, life advice, anything you'd tell people going through this journey here on earth that you want them to know?
1: How do you want to be remembered? You know, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, I hope that kindness comes through hope compassion is coming through and I hope uh, sensitivity to, to people uh, hard work how do you want to be remembered hard worker. what were you able to accomplish in your life uh, you don't have to have trophies or belt buckles or anything like that what is the really important thing and uh, to me my own personal life is that Christ is important to me and my family is important to me and I know they would say wonderful things, uh, and, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. How do you want to be remembered?
0: That's great, Keith. How do you want to be remembered? That's pretty cool. That's uh, that'll make all of us think. Stop and think for a little bit. How do you want to be remembered? Yeah. So, I, uh, one of my great mentors in my life, and you know him, Louis Fields. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's from that same lived down there by where you used to live down there right yeah and, you know he 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 people would ask him well how, you know, how do you want to be remembered and he'd say i want to i want to be remembered as a fierce competitor in the arena but as a good humble man outside of it you know and uh, that's always stuck in my mind that's good that's so good i want to be remembered as a good as a good cowboy you know i want to be a good horseman good meal yeah. man but I want to be just a good man (laughs) so that's a i think we'll wrap it up on that keith i don't think we could find better words than that so before we mess it up let's uh,
1: call it i appreciate you doing this with me though it's an honor thank you ty i do respect you and honor you and i count your friendship as a very choice thank you sir
0: hey i want to jump on here real quick and give a big shout out to my buddy colton erring um if you're looking for a good custom-built saddle That fits mules and fits you, you need to check out Colt Salary. You find them on Facebook, Colt Salary, and uh, tell them Ty sent you. He will take good care of you. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors, Western Mule Magazine. Ben and Anita Tennyson do an amazing job with their magazine. I've been writing for them for a few years now, and uh, they're great. Look up Western Mule Magazine dot com and check them out